And yeah, we're over here with a group of uh, student paramedics. It's, I think this is our sixth or seventh tour over to the US. Um, getting them out, getting them some exposure, letting them see that EMS is pretty much the same no matter where you go around the world. And um, yeah, looking forward to continuing into the future. This episode of EMS One Stop is brought to you by Lexapol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of EMS One Stop. I'm Rob Lawrence and today let's start off with what could be a bad joke and you have two South Africans, two Australians and a Brit sitting around a table without beer. That's probably a bad joke to start off with. But uh, today I am down in San Diego. And first of all, so what are the Australians and the South Africans doing here? Let me tell you. I'm here with the guys from Australia EMS, and they're over here with a bunch of Australian uh, undergraduate paramedic students, and they're doing some ride-alongs, a professional visit, and I'm really excited to talk to them because, you know, this potentially could be a source of paramedics. We're really short. We'll talk about that in a minute. First of all, I'd like to introduce everybody and they can say hello in a second. So I'm talking to Neil Noble. I'm talking to Alan Mountford. I'm talking to Colin Allen. And I'm talking to Mick Lazell. And I'll let you all introduce yourselves in a second and give us your kind of backstory. So we'll start with you, Neil. Hi, I'm Neil. I'm a critical care paramedic from South Africa and have worked for the last 14, 15 years in Queensland Ambulance Service and now working in the private sector. I met Rob in Australia at, on the Gold Coast at a paramedic conference and I distinctly remember these bright red pants that he wore and he came to do some presentations and was one of our international speakers and, and certainly a, a star performer at the PACE conference and that was, that was back in 2014. So we've known each other for a number of years and co-presented together at, at EMS Today. And yeah, so we've been friends ever since. I have, to, I have to tell you that somebody told me it was the dress was casual for that uh, opening event. And I didn't realise I was actually opening up for the health minister. And I'm there in my red pants and polo shirt and then everyone came on in a suit. So uh, uh, how we laughed afterwards. Um, anyway, moving along the line, let's uh, stay in, stay with the, our South African friends. And uh, Alan. Hi, my name's Alan Mountford. Uh, I... Uh, Originally started my career in South Africa. Currently, I'm working uh, for the Queensland Ambulance Service and have been for the last 20 years. Um, I've been involved with, with um, Australia EMS uh, for oh, 10 years now, entering competitions around the world, uh, simulation competitions, and at the moment, we bring paramedic students, undergrads, over to do uh, ride-alongs with uh, their American counterparts and try and learn some, some good skills. Hi, first of all, I'd like to uh, counter the claim that Alan actually works. Um, <laughs> so my name's Colin Allen. Um, I'm a uh, senior operations supervisor with Queensland Ambulance Service and have been in their employ for about 36 years now, so that officially makes me a dinosaur. Um, I've been associated with uh, Australia EMS since its inception back in 2004 and then its rebirth with this bunch of uh, misfits in uh, 2011 or so. And yeah, we're over here with a group of uh, student paramedics. It's, I think this is our sixth or seventh tour over to the US. Um, getting them out, getting them some exposure, letting them see that EMS is pretty much the same no matter where you go around the world. And um, yeah, looking forward to continuing into the future. Hi, my name's uh, Mick Lazell. 
from Australia, I am now, I can happily say, retired from full-time work. I spent 38 years with Queensland Ambulance Service, working all over the state, doing different positions, and uh, then a bit of time with the Blood Service, now living in the lovely state of Tasmania, in the south of Australia, for those that are not sure where Tasmania may be. So, yes, we've, uh, Colin and I, known each other since uh, 2000, when he worked on the Gold Coast, 2005, 2006. We helped do a conference on the Gold Coast in 2007 and have been participating in, in basically paying back to the uh, new generation of paramedics coming through. So that's what we're here doing. We're paying back. We've all had uh, very enjoyable uh, lives as paramedics and, and gained between us, you know, there would have to be over 150 years experience. I, as I say, 38 years. The 3rd of March 1980 is when I started. Uh, remember that because I turned 17 on the 17th, 7th of March 1980. So yes, it's a fantastic time. The students come over here to the US. They uh, ride along, their eyes are opened. Obviously, from Australia to here, there are differences in culture and the volume of work they get to see, the differences they get to see, will stand them in good stead when they go back to, obviously, the universities and when they actually apply to be paramedics in Australia. So you guys are here with a bunch of students who are as I say, paramedic undergraduates from, from various universities around Australia. So, Neil, tell us how you got into this, uh, into this, pro in this program, in fact. So back in 2016, we were asked to present at a student paramedics conference. We'd, we'd been around the world and we'd won a number of EMS competitions and they wanted to hear from experienced paramedics. And we presented an advanced airway workshop and a number of lectures. And at the end of it, some of the students approached us and said, look, for a group of old dinosaurs, you really seem quite passionate and you still enjoy your work and we're inspired by your, your passion and your enthusiasm. So how can you help us? And we, we signed a change day pledge that we would foster an amazing working relationship with the students and do our level best as old dinosaurs to give back to our student paramedic cohorts and try and make an amazing experience for them again and reignite their passion. So to that end, we took a group of students over to Cape Town. Um, a lot of the paramedics that I had hired back in the day were now in management positions and it was very easy for me to make a phone call and say, hey, can, can you accommodate our students? Cape Town was the safest of all the cities. We certainly didn't go near Johannesburg. And as a result, we we were welcomed by the South African paramedics and we, we did a tour and we, we took them over there. We, we included a bit of touristy stuff like how not to die in a car hijacking, how to not be eaten by a lion on a safari. They went shark cage diving. But we also presented them with a whole number of clinical presentations and they got to ride-alongs in some of the most acute trauma settings in the world and they, they experienced everything from shooting, stabbings, your standard medical calls, and they came back with their eyes wide open as to what life could be like in a different EMS system. And it was during that tour, sort of towards the end, I noticed Cole had this sort of pondering look about him, and, and I asked him what he was thinking, and he said, well, I have a lot of connections in America. We could replicate this tour in America. And as a result, the following year, we did a tour to South Africa and to America, and pretty much ever since, before COVID hit, we've been doing that year on year. And it's been highly successful. And, uh, and we've got a long waiting list of people that still want to come. And they've, they've 
got a lot of experience and, and wealth of knowledge out of the tours. Alan, you're here now, and so what is the itinerary or the, or the routine for the guys that are actually here? And, and where have you been in America? This is not just San Diego, but you've actually been on tour for the last few weeks around sort of the, the, the bottom corner of the, of the country, as it were. Yep, we've, uh, we started the trip in Las Vegas uh, and put the, uh, the students onto AMR, MedicWest, and uh, North Las Vegas Fire. Uh, they had a, uh, a great time out there in the heat of the desert, and it certainly opened up their, <laughs> their minds to how different a call actually can go when it's so hot. Um, and then uh, we drove down to Anaheim and they went on to units uh, with uh, Folk in Anaheim and spent uh, some time there. We then came up to, or down, further down, sorry, to um, San Diego where they've um, done some ride-alongs again with Folk here. Um, and we took them to strategic operations where they did a day course on, on uh, tactical medicine, which has been great for them. It opened their eyes, certainly showed them the, the difference in scenario training that can be offered as, <laughs> as opposed to university-based scenario training. And um, yeah, the, the average day for them is, and us is up at six, <laughs> out, drop them off at the different stations where they're doing their ride-alongs and start picking them up from about uh, 7.30 in the evening again, back at the hotel by half past nine, ten o'clock to bed and back out the next day again, and that's basically what we're doing. You were telling me earlier, Mick, that these guys get almost a sort of a clinical task book, so some things they should either be achieving or, you know, noting in their logbook of things they've seen. So how does that work? Well, we'd like the students to um, be able to show something. Yes, there's a good time, um, the fun times, but also they have great memories of being with colleagues in America. But when they go back, how do they uh, help what they've experienced and what they've seen and participated in treating, how do they take that back and say, look, this is what we've done in a formal sense. So what we've done, we've done them up with a sheet to track cases. We've only asked for, you know, three cases a shift and some of the shifts are 12 hours and actually some of, they've been on 24 hour shifts, which is really different to Australia. So they track this, then they note the case, what they did, and they have a preceptor or the chief paramedic they're with who, who initials it and gives his feedback to the student. Then we ask them to do a little bit of a reflection on what they've experienced. And part of what we've done, and I'll probably let Neil explain, we've also got a bit of a competition for them at the end where they can sort of, what we've learnt over the three weeks and we're going to provide them with a response kit to the winner of that little bit of a competition. So the idea is to make it a little bit more rigorous so they can actually go back to their university and say, I've done 140 hours on-road placement and here's the documentation to prove it um, and hopefully that will stand them in good stead with their universities. In terms of the experience that uh, these guys are, maybe third year students and you can maybe answer that in a second, uh, Cole, but uh, is this the first time they are seeing, you know, literally life on the street despite the fact they've been in academia? Yeah, so the majority of them um, have had little to no actual on-road experience when they come along. Um, they've had their theory and some of them are in various stages of their theory, first year, second year, third year, and those that are doing the dual degree even into their fourth year. Um, so they're at various stages in, the, in their overall um, learning to get to the bachelor at the end. So some of them have had some experience, some haven't. Um, some come here with probably different um, perceptions than others. Others come here think it's, you know, gun and knife club, which is, you know, for us in Australia, 
Sometimes that's how the US is portrayed. You see a lot of stuff on the news, etc., etc. Others come here with, um, you know, the, the understanding that they're going to learn and they're going to gain knowledge that they would probably never, ever get back home because uh, the, 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 the caseload can be very different here than what it is back home. So, yeah, it just a lot of it depends on where they're at. And, you know, we've got some students on this, um, on this tour that it's the first real vomiting patient they've ever seen. And to them, that's like, wow, you know, it's like, it's like Disneyland of EMS. You know, they've actually seen a, a, someone that vomits. And then you've got others that are further in their degree and are about to graduate where they'll go to a STEMI or, or a major accident or something like that. And when they actually see what they're seeing, it actually clicks. So they join the theory together with what they're actually seeing and doing. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it, you know, and then there are some that um, they just sit back and absorb it and then, you know, what we usually do is we continue to follow up with them after it's over to see what they thought and get their feedback and then just continue to improve the next tour as it comes along. Follow-up question though, so if they've been on, a, on this type of clinical tour with you guys, does that actually enhance their CVs and give them a better chance of getting a job? We're going to talk after the break about, you know, the overproduction of paramedics in Australia. But does this actually give them a step up when they go back to try and get into the workplace? The short answer to that is yes. Um, we've been quite successful that um, everyone that's been on a tour, any of our tours since 2015 right through until now, um, they have all ended up getting jobs. They've all been, they've made it through, got their degree and they work for ambulance services. I think the difference with what we do is it clearly shows to a potential employer that the people we choose to come on our tours are motivated, they believe in professional development and they will go that extra mile. Now, if you're an ambulance service and you want to employ someone, it's, it's pretty simple. Someone has a degree, Billy has a degree, both equal. But if Billy's got on his CV that he took his own time, his own leave, his own money to go out and look and find some additional professional development, it's a no-brainer. That's why we've got a 100% success rate and we, can, we believe that we'll continue to do that. Neil, Neil, coming back to you, and this is the question that's going to turn the average American medic green with envy. Let's talk about how uh, somebody gets a paramedic degree or a degree, any degree actually in Australia, in terms of how is it funded, uh, where do they get the money from, and then how is it paid back? And uh, if you're listening, sit down, strap in, and listen to Neil's answer. So this is quite an interesting one. I'm currently studying a business degree myself, and uh, I don't pay a cent, basically. So the Australian government have a system whereby they will fund a degree up front and put it into a interest-free loan for you. So paramedic or any degree in Australia can cost anywhere between $30,000 Australian right up to $120,000 uh, Australian dollars and the government pays up front so let's say my degree currently has 12 subjects at three and a half thousand dollars each the government pays that to the university up front and once I've finished studying and I'm now earning an income once we get over a certain income threshold only then will the government take a percentage of your pay back to pay back that loan interest-free and there's no specific time period. So if I die after two years, that debt dies with me and the government picks up the tab. But it means that we can allow people to not have to dig into their savings to then fund a degree up front and try and live and earn at the same time to fund their degree. So yeah, the, the degrees are paid for by the government and then we just get that taken off our salary later down the track. On behalf of the nation, wow. 
I mean, that's uh, you know, a, a lot of people here are mired in student debt, student loans, worried about how they're going to repay it. Of course, the cost of living here, like everywhere else in the world, is going north. Are you listening out there in Fedland? This is how we want you to treat our, uh, our student debt. Uh, perhaps not. We're going to go and take a break and listen to our sponsor in a second, but don't forget, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Podbean, Stitcher and Spotify. And if you're enjoying the show, please make sure you give us a rating on the platform in which you are listening on. Anyway, let's have a message from our sponsor. Lexapol empowers first responders and public servants to best meet the needs of their residents safely and responsibly. Serving more than 2 million public safety and government professionals in over 8,000 agencies and municipalities, Lexapol offers a range of solutions that includes policies, training, behavioural health resources, news and analysis, and grant assistance services for law enforcement, fire rescue, EMS, local government, and other agencies dedicated to public safety. To learn more, visit lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. I'm here with Australia EMS, uh, with the guys, and... uh in the US, we're trying to increase our paramedic production, um, and of course, that in, therein lies a problem. We acknowledge we have a recruiting, we have a retention, we have a qualification certification issue here. In Australia, I understand you're overproducing medics in this university system. I mean, how many are overproducing, and therefore, is there an opportunity for them to come here? Yeah, so the, the, the university system, there's about 15 to 17 universities that are actually offering the, the paramedic degree uh, and a dual degree. Uh, so you can do your paramedic and nursing degree in a four, as a dual degree over four years. Um, once they graduate from, from the uni, then they have to seek employment with, a, with an ambulance service. Now, the average state in, in Australia, the, the states run the ambulance service. Um, so there's not many services that, that employ uh, large numbers. We're graduating about 1,700 a year, 2,000 are graduating. If the services they take maybe a thousand of those, it's a big year. Um, attrition is not not great there at the moment because of the world's financial. So people are not retiring as they they would normally. So the positions are not not available. COVID, of course, has had a, an effect on that, and we have in some services they have over overemployed uh, with casual officers. Um, but those officers will have to be offered the next wave of. Um, permanent employment, so that, that just has a backflow on to, to those coming out of the uni. Um, the London Ambulance Service and services in the UK certainly take a few that uh, aren't able to, to, to get employment in the first instance in, in Australia. And uh, yeah, to answer your question, if we could find a way to get some of those over here, it'd be absolutely great. Alan, I mean, Alan, you mentioned London, of course, I happen to know, of course, there is reciprocity between uh, Australia and the UK. There, there is clearly a roadmap to get Aussie medics up to London, of course, that's been happening a few years, and of course, you know, it's always traditional that Aussies go walk about and end up in London anyway. So, I mean, that's just an extent, a professional extension of tourism, right? Uh, of walkabout. But, Colin, you've been working on this uh, for a, a little while, and uh, I mean, f- as much as you can tell us, I mean, what are some of the the challenges and pitfalls, and what do we need to do to solve this problem of getting, you know, Australian the Australian workforce to actually come legally and and work here in the US? So, for a number of years now, I've been trying to crack. The way I put it is just get the key to the door that will open it up. So um, a lot of it comes down to there's a visa, an E3 visa, that's available for Australian paramedics to come over to the United States and seek employment and be sponsored by an ambulance service to to stay here for three years. Um, 
that's the biggest key to this is getting someone that has the ability and the authority to activate that E3 visa and make it fairly seamless to within reason so the Australians can access it to get in. And the other second part of the equation is just the um, conversion across. So to convert an Australian bachelor paramedic across to be able to sit the EMTP exam here with a national registry. Um, there's a bit of work in that, um, some educational stuff. Some of the things we've been looking at is what can we do in Australia? What can we do online? What can we do remotely? And then get them to the point where they have an E3 visa, tick in a box. They have the theory and as much practical as they can in Australia to successfully pass EMT, B, EMT, Intimate, and then through the EMTP to get the registry certificate. And then over here and then sponsored by an ambulance service and then into a college where they can do a quick conversion course, whether that's two weeks, three weeks, a month, to get the final stage of the practical part completed. And then, um, yeah, start their paramedicine career here and at the end of three years, revisit and see what they want to do. But a lot of hard work so far, but still a lot more to come. Um, we just need to find someone or a group of people that can just unlock the door for us. We have uh, some legislative challenges there, but I happen to know certainly the American Ambulance Association are uh, working on that. It's certainly on their legislative to-do list. And actually trying to say legislative three times in a row, it's quite a challenge. Um, but it's certainly on the, on the to-do list. And so we hope that we can start to, uh, to see this bear fruit. And uh, I think it's, it's a matter of if, not when. And actually, spoiler alert, back at the American Ambulance Association conference about two years ago, I gave my top 10 predictions for the year. And one of them, and this was BC, so that's before COVID, one of my predictions was within a year, we'd have Aussie paramedics working in the US. And obviously the Rona, as you guys call it, came and, came and hit us. What's next for you guys particularly? Obviously, you're going back to Australia in a few days' time. When are you coming back again, Neil? So, yeah, we're finishing off our tour this weekend and the students are going to be flying to various destinations. They actually don't all come from one university in Australia. We've got a couple of Kiwis over from New Zealand on tour with us as well. And this weekend we, we fly back and they go to all their various universities all over the place. But we are looking at doing another tour as early as January into February next year so that we'll be back in, in a couple of months. And, and certainly the American ambulance services and paramedics have been so incredibly kind and hospitable and really welcome us. And, and, and there's such a good um, collegiate camaraderie between the two countries that, that we're only too happy to come back and, and work with them and they're ultimate professionals. We're really pleased. Alan, if you are an Aussie medic or an Aussie student listening to this, how can they get on your next tour? What do they have to do? Just keep an eye out on our website. Uh, and what, uh, is the website? what is the website? So keep a lookout for our tour adverts that will come out on our social media stream, so Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, and then that will direct you to our website and you, you can apply through the website and put, get, once your application's in, then we get back to you really, really quickly and we start planning and you start planning for your next tour into America. So you can go to our website, www.australiaems.com.au and you can look under the United States Tour tab and you can apply straight through our website. We've had an amazingly broad range discussion here about what you guys are doing here. Obviously, the students that are here with you right now are having an amazing time, both personally, both professionally, both clinically, which I think is fantastic. If you are an EMS agency out there and you want to host some of these guys on their tours, of course, uh, all things considered, and I'm sure that uh, they're all nodding soundly here, so that's good. Um, so you want to you host some of these students as they come through. Uh, I'm sure the guys will be delighted 
to hear from you. From a legislative perspective, we're going to work on making sure you guys can come back and work one day because we do have a shortage. And obviously, you know, we don't want you to send all your, your top people over to London. We want eventually to get them over here as well. For the minute, guys, thank you so much. It's been a, a, an amazing chat. Um, I have to confess, half of it will end up on the cutting room floor. So you, the bits you won't hear are the, the bits we're going to put on the Christmas gag reel, but it's been fantastic. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at UKRobL1 and also over on LinkedIn, you can find me. Any final thoughts from Australia EMS, Mick? Thanks, Rob. I guess I can say the students do have a fantastic time. They learn a bit, they widen their life experience, but also we have a great time and it inspires us when we see them really happy and really enjoying it and getting so enthusiastic to keep doing it. It's just a fantastic feeling that you can give back to a profession that you really do like. And I'll pass this along to Colin. Thanks, Mick. Yeah, um, totally agree with what Mick said. Um, Yeah, it's it's all about giving back. You know, as Mick said earlier, there's 150 years plus experience. Um, We are committed to taking the next generation under our wing per se and pushing them along and guiding them along into what is without a doubt the best job in the world Um, and we're committed to do that. Uh, Our tours are committed to do that, we'll continue to do that and um, the next piece of the puzzle for us is to actually start to get them employment so they can use that degree that they've got. Oh and for me I just feel that I've had such fun over all the years I've been involved in EMS and I'd like to and I hope I'm passing that on to this uh, next generation. And with the help of uh, our friends in the USA, I think we certainly are doing that, and we hope to continue doing that. Yeah, we've absolutely had a great time, and our hosts have been really fantastic and really welcomed our students in. So to that end, this year we're also looking at putting on a student paramedic conference in Australia that will focus not so much on the clinical aspects. We will have some clinical, but we'll be focusing primarily on career development and career progression both locally in Australia and internationally and just what we can possibly do to give these students the best foot up to make fantastic future paramedic leaders. That's all fantastic and uh, guys I know we haven't heard the last of you we hope to, we'll see you in the in the states we will see you uh, you know hopefully bringing some work workforce over to us in the near future. Guys from Australia EMS thank you very much. And uh, as usual, I've been Rob Lawrence. This has been EMS One Stop. And until next time, bye for now.